a weather disaster moves through your area. All the power is out and all the cell towers are down. All normal communications are down. On today's episode, we're going to talk about using ham radio to communicate during emergencies. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello and welcome to episode number 392. We are here to help everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Whether it's a natural disaster like a tornado or hurricane, or maybe a lockdown, inflation, or food shortages, you need to be prepared. Hi, I'm Krista. And I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about using ham radio to communicate when all other means of communications are down. Now, if you'd like the episode notes on today's episode, go to practicalprepping.info slash 392. Now, in today's episode, we're talking about ham radio. There are a lot of uses for ham radio. Not only is it just a lot of fun to play with ham radio. It's a great hobby. It's a great hobby. And there are a lot of places that ham radio get used for public service. It's used after hurricanes. It's used after tornadoes. When the power is out, communication towers are down. There's a lot of information that's being passed by ham radio. We're also going to have an interview that Krista did at the Black Warrior Ham Fest, and we're going to feature a true life or death story way back from Mark's hunting days. You're going to want to stick around and hear him tell this story. So what is ham radio? Ham radio is a hobby. It's a great way to meet a lot of wonderful people on the air or even in person. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs, ham fests, public service events. We went to field day last weekend. You know, there were field day all over the nation. I saw a lot of Facebook entries about field day in various states and counties. And yes, we attended the St. Clair County, Alabama field day. and We had such a great time. Yes, and we had Noah with us. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But not only is it a hobby, it's an emergency communication tool. See, when nothing else works, ham radio works. Yeah, because people remember... During hurricane, the subsequent events after a hurricane or a tornado, these large, severe weather events definitely will obliterate cell phone towers. And landline, that's out of use as well, and then a lot of power outages. But like Mark said, ham radio always gets through because it's not dependent on a tower like a cell phone tower, it uses radio frequency, and it's very available. Yeah, and not only after natural disasters, it's also used after some man-made disasters. There were a lot of ham radio operators that deployed to New York City after Mm 9-11. The communication system was overloaded, and these guys were able to pass messages, pass traffic to various organizations, agencies, and and just stepped up and did a great job. Two-meter VHF for local use. Now, that's where the repeater can be used. You can do simplex or with a repeater. A lot of the repeaters have backup power, battery. Some are recharged by solar. There's any number of ways to go with that. 
But if you're in an area or if we're working an area that a repeater is available, we'll use that. But if you have to transmit long distances, HF radio is the way to go. It's a radio to radio, and it depends really on the ionosphere because you're bouncing it off of the various layers of the ionosphere. To give you a good example of this, the hurricane net, and that's exactly what it's called. The hurricane net is activated anytime there's a hurricane within 300 miles of land. Doesn't matter where. If it's within 300 miles of land, this group of guys activate the hurricane net. And what they're doing is listening for boats or ships, sailboats and such that may be in trouble and need help. It's also a great tool for weather spotting. You know, ham radio operators can provide valuable ground truth. They can talk about what they're viewing in terms of the weather as it's formulating in a real time. They can also talk about the after effects, like the extent of any damage, straight line winds, funnel clouds, hailstones, that sort of thing. They can also help with the location of survivors and transmit information about the availability of local resources. We saw a lot of that in St. Clair County after the April 11th tornado of 2011, and we had ham radio operators that lived in the impact area, and they were able to locate some folks that were injured and being able to get medical help on the way and they were cutting the roads out as the public service people were cutting the roads in. So they were able to get help to those folks even sooner. You know, I noticed that when there's a storm event that's being forecast, a lot of times these local ham radio clubs will go ahead and activate their members who are available and can go ahead and report to either the EMA, the emergency management uh, agencies, or to the local shelters where they know they can take their handheld radios and they can begin to transmit information from radio to radio as people are coming in. So I know that's also something that's vitally important. So ham radio does get used in disasters a lot. And so many times Mark and I will talk about ham radio and disasters because it is, in most cases, the only form of vocal transmission when there's no other way outside of jumping on a horse and riding, you've got to be able to ham radio. And this way you can also get messages across the country or even the world if necessary. And we provide emergency communications for various groups and agencies. And we're going to have an interview here in just a minute that Krista did at the Black Warrior Ham Fest. And you're going to hear that after a major disaster, and it happened to be that April 27th of 2011, that ham radio operators were providing the communications for the sheriff's department, the police department, the fire department, and the ambulance company. Mm -hmm. Now, on April 27th of 2011, we in St. Clair County put a ham radio operator with every head of agency on scene. And that would be the EMA director the FEMA coordinator, the Red Cross coordinator, and all of the various disaster coordinators. Yeah, we had folks with them because cell phones were not working at that time. And this way they can communicate with each other and then also their individual teams. Exactly, exactly. Now, stuff does happen and we do need to stay prepared. I've heard that. And <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> and that's what Ham Radio Field Day is all about. 
every year, the last full weekend in June, there is a 24-hour emergency communications exercise, and the radios are run off non-commercial power. They're powered by batteries or solar panels. And we go and we set up somewhere in, you know, it's not inside the building. You're outside. You might be under a pavilion or a tent, but you go and you set up and you operate for 24 hours. No, it's not the same person necessarily operating the whole time. Oh, they take shifts, obviously. But they man that radio for that full 24-hour period. Now, Saturday, we took our grandson, our 14-year-old grandson, Noah, and his girlfriend, Sailor, to the St. Clair County ARES, which stands for Amateur Radio Emergency Services, to that group in Pell City, Alabama. And then a friend by the name of John Higgins helped Noah understand ham radio. He taught him how to talk on the radio. He taught him how to hear what's being said. Noah was able to make several, well over a dozen contacts across the U.S. and including Puerto Rico. Now, briefly explain for a moment. See, Noah is not licensed. So how was he able to be allowed to speak on the radio with John Higgins? John is licensed. He's an extra class. Noah could sit right here with us and operate this radio as long as I am with him. He could operate on two meter as long as you're with him. You can operate. It's called a control operator. It's somebody that is in control of that radio. It's kind of like a licensed driver and an unlicensed driver. As long as a licensed person is with you and kind of overseeing it, Yes. You have permission then as an unlicensed speaker to talk on the radio. It's called third-party traffic. Okay, yeah. You can operate on any band when you're with me because Mm -hmm. I'm an extra class. Right. But if Noah's with you, he can only operate within your privileges. Exactly. Hope we cleared that up. Mm -hmm. And Noah is now studying for his technician class ham radio license, And we think he's going to test at the Huntsville, Alabama Ham Fest on August the 19th. Ooh, you know, I need to brush up on my general. Maybe I'll test the same day. Oh, that would be neat. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be fun if you and Noah, you got your general and he got his tech on Mm -hmm. the same day. Yeah. And speaking of Ham Fest, the week before field day, we went to the Black Warrior Ham Fest in Tuscaloosa County, Alabama. I did an interview with a gentleman there named John Hayes. He's one of the members of the Black Warrior Ham Fest group. And I want to explain, before you hear this interview, I want to explain a couple of terms that he uses. He talks about Elmers. This is a term used for the mentors and the teachers in the ham radio group. So you may hear him refer to the Elmers. And also HF, which means high frequency radio. And again, like Mark explained, this is used when you have to speak and communicate across very long distances. All right, let's get into the interview. We are here live at the Black Warrior Ham Fest in the Tuscaloosa, Alabama area, and I've got a friend here that I want to interview. His name is John Hayes, and John has been with this group for a while. John, tell us how you got started in ham radio. Well, I got started uh, because uh, I listened to a scanner a lot, and a lot of folks would be on there just throwing out call signs like, what am I listening to? So I finally asked somebody, and they told me what it was, and I started studying and I studied hard. I'm not good. I'm not a good test taker. So I te- passed it and I was like, yes, I passed it. So I started getting out there. And then all these guys that I'm in the committee with here are all my Elmers, so to speak. Okay. They 
have basically held my hand the entire time and taught me everything I know. So I wanted to get into this. You know, I, I told him, you know, I want to get into the EMA side where we go out there and do emergency communications. Yes, come on. Come on. Come on out here. So I started doing that. Then they asked me to be on the Hamfest committee. I'm like, this is going good for me here. So, you know, I've been, I've been, this would be our, I think, fifth, fourth year, but our, no, it'd be our fifth year, but our fourth hand fest because 2020, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything shut down. Yeah, we couldn't do anything. So, but this year has been a pretty good year for us. And uh, we're just, we're just coming here to have fun this year. And so far, so good. That's awesome, John. Now, I think I overheard you saying you're also an EMT. I, I am a emergency technician at my job. I'm a, a uh, uh, what you call a first responder there. You know, when somebody gets hurt, go find Hayes. <laughs> Okay. That's why I just run to them and see what's going on. So, All right. So talk to us a little bit about why you think ham radio would be so important to have in a time of, say, like a storm disaster. What could possibly happen? Cell towers will go down. As we know here in 2011, April 27th, nobody had, nobody had cell service. Yeah, that you know, was a dark day in Alabama. Yeah, that was very dark. So hams got out there. They were the communications for the sheriff's deputies, for the police department, for the fire department. They were dispatching people where they needed to be. So when when the power goes off and you got batteries, hams are still up regardless. As long as those batteries are staying up, and most hams have solar panels. So they're going to stay up regardless, you know. Now, I understand, too, for the particular hobby of ham radio, I know that com- the computer age has entered ham radio, so a lot of folks that are interested in ham radio, they may not realize they can actually handle ham radio on a computer screen. You can right. talk to us a little bit about that. Well, you got all kinds of things you can do. Um, it's, when you get a certain classification of ham, you can do FT8. There's a couple others I can't remember right now. And then you got on the digital side of radio, you have D-Star, DMR. You could use that from a handy talkie. If you can hit a repeater that's hooked up to the Internet with reflectors and talk groups, you can talk clear around the world. So, you know, if you just get your first tech license, you could talk around the world to people from, from Tuscaloosa to England and beyond. So, you know, the, the computer age come in and it kind of helped hams. In a, a lot of ways. Particularly some of the younger generation. Yeah, the younger generation that loves computers, that can do D-Star from their computer and stuff like that. But then all the old head hams, they call it cheating. <laughs> but I just won't say it as cheating. It's because well, I like it. I, you know, I've got a D-Star radio on my truck. And I talk to a guy in England every day on the way to work. That is fantastic. You know, and also ham radio is not age limited. I mean, you could be seven or eight or nine years old and actually get started in ham radio. In fact, I'll share this quick story. When I was testing for my tech level license, I tested alongside an 11-year-old girl. She was there with her dad, and her dad was already licensed, and she was getting her tech license. She passed. I passed. And it just dawned on me. I said, you know, kids can get into this, and really can be a lifelong hobby that never ends. So here we are at the Black Warrior ham fest we're in the tuscaloosa county high school it's been a pretty good show there's a lot of vendors that have come out they're selling all sorts of gear and components and we're making friends and talking about all different kind of events so where do you see ham radio going let's say in the next five years what's the future of ham radio uh my opinion just my opinion i think it's going to go completely digital and that could be a bad thing or it could be a good thing 
uh, with all the younger hams coming in that can do co- computer stuff like that, you can build your own D-Star reflectors and stuff like that. So it's going to be become the, the remember the old America Online type mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah. You can make your own chat room with a D-Star radio, you know. You know it's, it's probably going to come to that. I've been reading a lot of forums saying that. Uh, but I think HF radio is going to always be around because you can get out with HF, low power. You know, just a reminder, ham radio operators actually spoke to ham radio operators on the International Space Station. So it's not only just the atmosphere is the limit. Literally, you can talk to outer space. So I want to thank John, our friend over here at Black Warrior Ham Fest. We've had a wonderful time setting up with our table at practicalprepping.info. Go to our website, check out our podcast. We have had a fabulous time. John, thank you for this time. And any other things you want to say toward ham radio in this area? And where can people that are in the Tuscaloosa or Northport area, where can they find you? Well, they can find me, uh, blackwarriorhamfest.org. Just go there. The site's going to be up pretty much year-round. You can send a, I think you can send an email through there. I'm not sure. But you can get us one way or other. They have a Facebook group, uh, Black Warrior Ham Fest. Uh, you can get us on there. We're not hard to find. When do you meet? Uh, is it a regular meeting time? Uh, we only meet when it's getting close to just a committee ourselves. We, we meet when it's getting pretty close to Ham Fest time. But there's two clubs in Tuscaloosa. There's a TARC and there's a WARS, W-A-A-R-S. Because both these clubs are kind of one. We're, we're all one one brotherhood sounds good so there's a place for you if you're in this area check out ham radio amateur radio you do have to have a license to be able to operate it they can fill you in on all the details find them at blackwarriorhamfest.org thank you john it's been a hoot hoot. (laughs) all right bye-bye now all right hope you enjoyed that interview and speaking of ham fest we will be at the Huntsville Ham Fest with a table for the podcast. So if you go to the Huntsville Ham Fest, stop by and meet us. We would love to meet you. Absolutely. Please come. It's going to be at the Von Braun Civic Center. And it's, I believe it's uh, August 18, 19, 20. I think 18th is just the Friday night private yeah, dinner the, meeting. The main thing is 19, and it'll be 19th and 20th. So It's a big, wonderful show. We've gone just as spectators for several years, but this time we're going to be one of the vendors, and so mm-hmm. we're excited about that. And we're going to take some money and may bring home some things. <laughs> we just we're, we're, we might. We've experienced food shortages in the grocery stores from supply chain issues. Now we're hearing from farmers how food harvests are decreasing and will likely get smaller. We could find ourselves staring at empty pantry shelves or standing in food lines. Yes, it could happen in America. That's why survival food is more important than ever. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriot Survival Food Kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years super survival food. This is that next tier level of food storage we've talked about on the podcast. These kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and stack easily. They have delicious breakfast, lunches, dinners, You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add water, simmer, and serve. Right now, you can go to 4 and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. They're called 4Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4 and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off. That's 4 Use the code PREPPER. 
Start building your stockpile today. If having crystal clear, clean water is important to you, either every day or in an emergency, you need to look at Pro One Gravity Filter. Pro One filters over 200 contaminants out of the water, including microplastics. It also filters out fluoride without having to buy an additional filter. We have the big plus three-gallon gravity system, and we use it daily. We can really tell a difference in the taste of our water. The tea and the coffee, everything tastes better. There is a right-size Pro One gravity filter for your family, from whole house systems right down to the refrigerator pitcher. Order your Pro One today. The link is on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. All right. Uh, overall, ham radio can really be a vital, life-saving tool in emergencies and disaster situations. And it provides reliable means of communications when other means are unavailable. So let's get to the story. Now, this will I'm going to set the stage and Mark will fill in the details. But several years ago, Mark used to regularly go hunting during the uh, deer hunting season. And often he and his son-in-law, Jamie, would invite other guests to come along and go hunting as well. And so you're about to hear a real story that actually happened it didn't happen to Mark, but he was there, and he'll explain why radio communications actually can be the difference between life and death. Go ahead, Mark. There were a couple of God things in this is the only way to explain it. One, my hunting buddy that I had invited to come and hunt, Jerry, he ran late that morning, and when we got to the hunting club, a number of the places that I wanted to hunt were already taken. And you can't drive through somebody else's section of property. The only place that was left was the only place that I could possibly have got my two-wheel drive pickup truck to. Well, we came in, we got ready, and we changed in the camper and started out. I just reached over and picked up a ham radio walkie-talkie. And I showed Jerry how to use it. Turn it on here, push to talk, let the button up to listen. So put it in your backpack just in case you need me. This was probably about 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning at that point in time. We got on the four-wheeler, went out. Jerry put up his tree stand, and I went on to hunt where I was going to hunt. And I wasn't going back to get him until dark. And it was about 20 degrees outside. Phew. Well, about nine o'clock, Jerry called me on the radio and he said, Mark, I've fallen. You're going to have to come help me. Oh, my. I get to him and what had happened is a weld had broken on a brand new tree stand and he fell 12 feet out of a tree oh. and broke his back. Oh, dear. Later, and, and it took us a while to get him out of the woods, being very, very gentle 20-minute drive took an hour mm -hmm. because of the bumpy. And later in a discussion with his doctor, who was a friend of mine, told me that if we had not gotten him out of the woods, probably he would have died from shock and the cold temperature. Wow. And that's a true life story. I was there, happened to me, and it was kind of, when I say it's a God thing, it was where we could get my pickup to, to get him out. And you just at the last minute picked up the radio and right. said, hey, Jerry, last thing, 
keep this with you just in case. And he's not licensed, but under the FCC regulations, in an emergency, life and death, true emergency, anyone can transmit on any frequency. So that was totally legal at that point, even though he did not and still does not have a ham radio license. Well, it saved the day. It did. uh, It was definitely a God thing. So that is a tremendous story. And I am certain, having met and listened to other stories that have been shared over the years, where other ham radio operators, they themselves have had an emergency where they had to call for help for themselves, or they happened up upon or were communicating with someone who was needing help. So this this is one of literally thousands, tens of thousands of stories where ham radio made all the difference in the world. And we harp on it because we know how important ham radio truly is. And this was in an area that we knew beforehand. Cell phones do not work. Yeah, there are actually some places. I mean, in the Talladega National Forest, mm-hmm. we go camping there. And there are areas in that park where there will be 0.00 cell phone transmission. You don't get bars. You don't get power you don't get nothing you power it up and it looks at you and says you're kidding yeah right so there are actually areas bordering areas in the forest where you may get some spotty wi-fi coverage or cell phone coverage but ham radio cuts right through every time so we encourage you to consider getting your ham radio license now the technician is really not hard and it's really not that expensive fifteen dollars for the test And now they have instituted $35 for a 10-year license. That's $3.50 a a year for the license. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you you just pay it one time and then renew it 10 years down the road, and you're good to go. And there's a lot of things that you can do with that tech, and there's a lot of ham radio handhelds that are available for under 50 bucks. There's many that are under 150 there's some very good radios under 150. And we're talking about a lifelong hobby. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about something that where you'd spend 100 or $200 for a year and, and then you're done with it. You, know, you really can make a commitment to it. And the people that we've met over the years that are into ham radio, they're into their 50th, 60th, 70th year. And they're not slowing up. They're not slacking up. Yeah, but it's not just an old folks. No. Ham radio is not just an old folks hobby. I was talking with a friend the other day, actually Jim Curtis from Jim Curtis Knives. Oh, he's sharp. And <laughs> I see what I, see I did what there. You did. <laughs> and I mentioned ham radio. He was asking about some communications and he said, I'm not old enough for ham radio. <laughs> well, he's mistaken because ham radio is really taken off. In fact, the day that I tested for tech, another young lady across the table from me was testing. She was 11 years old and she'd been studying and she passed and got her tech. We got our tech license on the same day. And another aspect of ham radio is the fact that you can use a computer now. You can do some digital echo link, which is a very exciting Type of you can way do, do Echo Link just with your handheld. Well, with your handheld, but I'm saying that. Or with the computer. The now, computer. I talked from Birmingham, Alabama to Birmingham, England on a handy talkie. Harry, there you using go. Using Echo Link. Now, I was only talking seven miles to the repeater, and then I was using the Echo Link internet to get to England. 
mm-hmm. and came out on the repeater there and talking to a guy driving around in his car. Well, so. I think that the computer aspect is going to be very attractive to a younger generation who was, you said you and I were not raised on no. computer. And there are some things that you can plug your computer into your radio and you're doing packet radio. You can do slow scan TV. Imagine sending television images across ham radio. Well, you can, you can do that. You can also be hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. And you can type on ham radio on the computer. Mm-hmm. And so there's ways that you can communicate that they'll find a way that ham radio is going to work. So there's a place for anybody of any age. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it's really not that hard. Now, if you don't want to get into ham radio, just for emergency purposes, consider a GMRS radio. And whatever you do, at least get a handheld with an upgraded antenna. With either one of those, you'll be able to talk. GMRS is very popular. There are GMRS repeaters in various places. They're really not uncommon at all. Now, we have several episodes on ham radio on the podcast already, and some of those include the various radio services, including ham and GMRS, and we'll link all of those episodes in the episode notes at practicalprepping.info slash 392. We have really enjoyed you being right here with us today. We enjoy you spending your time with us, and we hope you've learned something or at least have more information than you did when you started. And we're going to put the links to everything we've mentioned in the episode notes, practicalprepping.info slash 392. And if you find value in the podcast, would you consider giving a little back by buying us a cup of coffee? You can use the link on the front of our website, practicalprepping.info, and we sure will appreciate that. And as Krista always says, stuff happens, stay prepared. And we'll see you next time.